0: The Old Testament lesson for this morning is from Psalm 26, page 545 in your church Bible. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Test me, O Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind, for your love is even before me, and I walk continually in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners. My life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes, I lead a blameless life, redeem me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great assembly, I will praise the Lord. The epistle lesson is in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, on page 1123 of the Church Bible. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone with evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The Gospel lesson is in the book of Matthew, verses, ch- chapter 16, verses 21 through 28, on page 973 of the Church Bible. And out of respect for the Gospel, please rise as you are able. Jesus predicts his death. From that time on, Jesus began to proclaim, explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders chief priests and teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, "This this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone should come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? On what can a man give in war? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with an angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some of you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This ends the Gospel lesson.
1: Don't trade these things for anything, okay? You have God's mercy and you have his peace. You have his unconditional love You have all of that in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at the New Testament lesson for today, but I'd like to just share with you the opening verse of Romans chapter 12, because it really sets the table for everything that we heard Paul say just a little while ago. Therefore, I urge you, sisters and brothers in Christ, in view of God's mercy. and Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength, our rock, our redeemer, the most precious thing we have. Amen. Well, you may want to close your ears for just a second, because I'm going to try and sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, I'll have you sing later. This is a solo. (laughs) That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. What do you see? I know that's kind of a vague question that I'm asking you, isn't it? And you would certainly be entitled to ask me for a little bit of clarification as to what is it that I want you to see? Well, let's try this. Okay, now here's your turn. Let's sing that verse together, and then maybe you'll see it. Do you see it now? In in case you don't see it yet, listen to these words that I shared with you from Paul, opening words of Romans chapter 12, because I think these words will help you see it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, in view of God's mercy. That's what I want you to see. I want you to see God's mercy in your life, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. To see that mercy is to see to see this, to see that God did not give you what you deserve to get because of your sins. He did not give you that punishment. That's mercy, mercy is the decision the thoughtful decision on someone's part not to give you that which you deserve, that which you rightly have coming. That's mercy. And its wonderful counterpart is grace. Grace is to be given that which you don't deserve. And in Jesus Christ, that's exactly what God has done. He has given you that which you do not deserve. And that's what I want you to see. I want you to see God's unconditional love for you. I want you to see that he has made an intentional decision regarding you. Not to give you what you deserve, but instead to give you mercy and to complement that and fill in that vacancy with His grace and give you His forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That's what I want you to see. Now, bear with me as I sing it again. But this time it's going to be to a little different tune and with a few different words. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In other words, praise the Lord. That's what hallelujah means, doesn't it? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mercy in your life. Praise the Lord for his grace in your life. Now that you see it, as Paul says, in view of God's mercy, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But how do you do that? How do you live a hallelujah? That's where today's New Testament lesson comes in. Paul is giving us instruction and guidance as to how to live a hallelujah, how to live a praise to the Lord for his mercy and for his grace. How to live a life of grace? How to live as a grace-filled person? How to live life as a grace-based person? How do I live my life with mercy and grace? How does God's grace and mercy show up in my daily life? Am I living a hallelujah? Or maybe I should ask, am I a living hallelujah to praise the Lord? What does that look like? Well, I was listening to a song before the service today, and this is one way of how it would look. A little more like Jesus, a little less like me. Great song. Well, Paul's first thought on on living a hallelujah is about life in general. And he puts in place, or offers to put in place into our lives, a a basic filter and a guiding principle for us to choose to use in our life in in making our daily choices and our day-in and day-out decisions. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, here's another way to put that. Don't let the world and its standards set the tone and the direction for your life. Let God's word set the tone and the direction for your life. Don't live like everyone else just because everyone else supposedly is doing it. Society's norm ought not to be Our norms. Live in a way that shows God's mercy. Live in a way that shows His grace. Hate what is evil, Paul says. Cling to what is good. Now Paul next takes a look at our relationships and how we treat others. He says, Be devoted to one another with a love that flows from your faith. Honor one another above yourselves. A couple verses later, he wrote, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now doing that, placing and putting the needs of someone else before your own needs, also known as being devoted, is to live a hallelujah. And notice that it it flows from our faith, and it is empowered by our faith. It's empowered and flows from the mercy and the grace that we have received in Jesus Christ. And it empowers you to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn and to live in harmony with one another. Here's an example of that. Yesterday, I walk into the house and Karen says to me, Guess who called? (laughs) And I said, Santa Claus? (laughs) My cousin Luann called her. You see, my cousin Luann, her mom passed away almost a year ago and had spent the last years of her life in a nursing home. And that was a really difficult time for my cousin Luann who was a single child, an only child, and so Karen and I frequently reached out to her to ask how she was doing and how Aunt Nora was doing. Well, now Karen's mom is in a nursing home, and Luann called Karen to see how she was doing and to see how her mom was doing. That's that's rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who, who mourn. That's an example, and as Karen noted, It's intentional, it's intentional to to reach out. That's living a hallelujah. That's what Lou did yesterday. She lived a hallelujah. That's what Paul is calling us to to do uh, in our lives with the people that we know who could use a phone call or, or better yet, a visit in person. Well, so far so good being nice to those you know and, and have a faith relationship, that's not all that hard, is it? I mean, we can live a, in a way that gives a hallelujah to Lord with, with one another here, can't we? For the most part, right? For the most part. But now it's the next suggestion made by Paul where living a hallelujah can get a little dicey. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. A few verses later, Paul wrote, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And then Paul adds this for good measure. Do not take revenge, my friends. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. You know, it's one thing to be nice and to be helpful to someone that you like and who has been nice back to you who's never done anything wrong to you. It's one thing to be nice to that kind of person, but it is another thing to be nice to someone who has harmed you. That's one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? In fact, it's not just hard, it's difficult. And sometimes it's more than difficult. Sometimes it's seemingly impossible to live a hallelujah, to do something nice that benefits someone who has done something wrong to you. How do we do that? Well, as we read on in these words of Paul, we might be tempted to jump on some of these words that he says, as to what enables us to be nice in a way to someone who has done us wrong by just keeping in the back of our minds that someday they will get their comings from God. Paul says this. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And so maybe we kind of just put a pin in it and we're nice to them because, well, someday, someday God will take care of you and settle this for me. But to think that way is to still act as a judge and jury against that person. And that's not our role. And that's not our place. Our role is to somehow bear witness to that person who has wronged us so that they might come to a place in their life, a place of repentance over their sin toward us, and a belief in their Savior. So it is that Paul writes, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. It was interesting that one commentary that I read as I prepared suggested the imagery of heaping burning coals on someone's head could be understood, to helping them come to be embarrassed over their own behavior when they consider your behavior and that their face would turn red with embarrassment, which just might lead them to apologize and to change. And while it's not meant to be an escape route for us to love our enemies, Paul does say something which recognizes that it's not always good and it's not always possible to live a hallelujah toward those who have hurt us. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You can only live your own hallelujah, can't you? You can't live someone else's hallelujah for them. How to live a hallelujah? Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not. But for either of those times that we might live our hallelujahs and show God's mercy and show God's grace and and be people of grace and people who are living grace-based lives, here's a great verse for us to put into our hearts and our minds. It's It's a verse that puts in full view of us the mercy and grace of God and sums up everything that Paul wants us to see. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Let's uh, let's sing it again. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, and now I see. And in light of the mercy and the grace of God and Jesus that we see, maybe it's good for us to simply pray a little more like Jesus. And a little less, like me. Amen.